you have your Bibles, would you please turn with me to John chapter 17. John 17. We begin this new series now. We've wrapped up the Psalm 119 series, and we are going to start a series focused in on events that were taking place during the Passion Week. The Passion Week actually kicks off with the triumphal entry. We know that as like the Palm Sunday, and we will take care of that passage on Palm Sunday. Okay, and originally my plan was to speak um, from Mark and have the whole series here be from the book of Mark, and that is still my plan. Um, And on Tuesday morning, I was uh, driving out here to the church, and I've had a variety of things that have just kind of been on my spirit as of late. And I feel like the Lord told me, you need to change what it is that you're going to speak about. Okay, we'll change that. Now, we are actually hitting a passage of something that took place during the Passion Week. So we'll keep it within the Passion series, but we're not in the book of Mark today. We're in John chapter 17. You know, as a pastor, there are a lot of things that sometimes come across my plate, if you will, come across my desk, come across my phone, and situations that I'll shepherd in that can be very difficult and heavy. And um, this last week was definitely a week of heaviness. And it's in the midst of that as you're processing life and um, even the life of the church that um, there's just things that God, I think, put on my heart to share with you today. And I got confirmation on this. Um, In my office before the service, we were praying over the service, and there was three other gentlemen in the room, and we all prayed. Each of us took a, a turn to pray, and I was last. And each person, as they prayed, they each prayed something very specific that was from the message I'm going to give you today. And I just looked at him after we prayed, and I said, guys, I'm telling you right now, God is wanting to say something to us. And the very specific things that they said, I'm like, you have no idea, I mean, how much of a blessing that is to me. Because when you shake this whole thing up like this, you kind of feel like, are we supposed to be doing this? And when you get confirmations like that, it's very helpful. This is a prayer that Jesus is going to pray over his disciples. That's what's recorded here in John 17. And it's one of his final moments with his disciples. And one thing about the last words that we share, those are some of the most important things that we could ever say to somebody. And I've been weighing on these things in my heart as a shepherd, and I'm like, Lord, there are things that you have said that are incredibly important for us as a church to embrace. And that's why we're in John 17, and I feel like this is so important that I've actually asked that our entire children's ministry just be shut down today so that all the kids could be in here, all the volunteers could be in here, all the staff could be in here. This is, if you will, kind of a moment as a congregation where we stop the car and we just say, what matters in this life? And I think Jesus addresses that here in John 17. And so with that said, I realize that there might be some noise today from the little ones. But that's okay. 
It's good to have kids in the church body, isn't it? Yeah. So if they shout, guess what? I've got a microphone. Tyler has the power to turn this sucker up, and I'll just get louder. But before we get into the Word together, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this time. This is important to me. It's important to us as a congregation that, Lord, I am able to communicate the things that you have placed on my heart today. Lord, there is a certain burden. There is a certain heaviness. And, Lord, there's also an element of risk that I might say something that that pricks a heart. But, Lord, I just want your spirit to be the one doing that, not me. I don't have an agenda. I just want, I want to be obedient to you. Please use me. Please communicate through me what it is that you want this body, this congregation to, to hear and to do. And we lift this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, John chapter 17, starting in verse 1. It says, After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven, and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone, and he gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accept it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory." Now I am departing from the world, and they are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. Now I am coming to you. I have told them many things while I was with them in this world so that they would be filled with joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. 
and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they also, or may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. And may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do, and these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. All right, let's begin to to break this down. The, The first point to be made here before we start walking through the application is to recognize that this prayer, the recipients of this prayer, are the followers of Jesus Christ. Specifically, he was praying over the disciples, but that goes even further to us who are followers of Christ today. In verse 9, he says, My prayer is not for the world, but for those that you've given me because they belong to you, God. And then in verse 20, it says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Somebody say, this message is for me. In John 17, verses 1 through 10, there's a foundation here that's laid as Jesus is praying. Recognizing that Jesus is to receive all glory, honor, and praise. And to also note that Jesus left the glory of heaven to come to this earth to take upon our sin to pay the penalty and the price for that sin, and then return to his glory. He has a job. He's got a mission to fulfill. And as he's praying this over the disciples, he recognizes that the hour has come. He says, glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. You see the glory here going to God the Father the Son, the Holy Spirit. They are the ones to receive all glory, honor, and praise. And it's because of that glorification that will take place through Jesus' shed blood on the cross and His resurrection that you and I can have access to eternal life. Verse 3, if you've got a pen or a highlighter, either underline this thing, circle this thing, Highlight this thing. Verse 3, this is the way to have eternal life. To know you. He's talking about the Father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. That is the gospel in one verse right there. John 17, verse 3. And so as you and I, we are creation... 
We are human beings created in the image of God, and the reason we are created, the purpose in our life, the number one thing we should be doing is giving God glory. And so God redeems us through the Gospel, and then our response as we live out the Gospel, we are to give Him glory. Look at verse 10. It says, All who are mine belong to you, and you've given them to me, so they bring me glory. That is our mission in life. When I wake up on Monday... My job is to give glory to God. And I'm not saying that because I'm a pastor. I'm saying that because I am created. I'm part of creation. I'm a human being. And I have been created to give God glory. And you have been created to give God glory. That is the foundation of this prayer in which Jesus is praying over His followers. If you sum up all of life... It hangs on giving God glory, and we are able to do that when we've been saved and redeemed by the gospel. Verses 11 through 12, Jesus prays for protection over his followers. And there's an emphasis here on spiritual protection. Because I want you to keep something in mind. A majority of these disciples that Jesus is praying over are going to be martyred for their faith. They're going to be killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. But in the midst of the things we walk through in life, the thing that matters the most is your spirit. Our bodies decay. Our bodies give out. But my spirit That's what matters most. And not that we shouldn't pray for our bodies. That's not what I'm saying. And for protection over us physically. But the emphasis is on the spiritual and it comes through the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says you protect them by the name you've given me. We receive our protection through the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit We need that protection as we walk through the things of this life. He says, During my time here, God, I've protected them by the power of the name you gave me. That's verse 12. And then back up to verse 11. I'm departing from the world. Protect them by the power of your name. But it's important to note in verse 11 that Jesus says, They are staying in this world. They're not leaving when Jesus leaves. They're left here in this world. And Jesus then begins to walk through things that are necessary as we walk in this world. Verses 13 through 19. Now, I'm not going to go in order of verses here, but I'm going to go in order of uh, what makes it flow of understanding what Jesus is trying to say in this section. And the first thing we need to know in verse 15, Jesus says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. The world is Satan's playground. 
The Bible even calls him the ruler of this world. And so all the lies and the deceit and the things that are going on in the world around us and the things that we believe, there's all a part of living in this playground. And he's like a big old bully on this playground. Going around seeing he who he could pop and knock down on the ground. And it's not just him. He's got a whole demonic army and their M.O. is to destroy your life. To get you to believe lies. And you start to question whether or not God is with you, whether or not God loves you, whether or not God even created you. All of that stuff. This is how we get twisted up into a pretzel. And there's an influence that Satan has on the world. And so with that influence, here's a nice little warm and fuzzy. The world hates you. Doesn't that just make you feel good? Man, I walk out of this place and I am hated. Woo! Man. But here's, here's the tension. I don't want to be hated by the world, and so I'll give in to the things of the world so that I don't get hated by the world. But here's where you have to embrace truth from the mouth of Jesus. He flat out says, the world's going to hate you for being my follower. So you have to make a decision. Am I willing to be hated for my faith in Jesus? We have to make that decision. We have to drive that stake into the ground. I'm willing to be hated. And the world hates them and us because we don't belong to the world. And so that's the next point to make here is you and I, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. We're in the world, we're not of the world. Verse 14, Jesus says, they don't belong to the world. Verse 16, they don't belong to this world any more than I do. But you and I, guess what? We're not turtles. We don't just go into our shell and go, world, just stay away. We have a job to do while we're in the world. In fact, in verse 15, Jesus says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. In verse 18, he says, I'm sending them into the world. That means we got a job to do. But as we're doing that, it's important for us to make sure that the influence of the world doesn't come in to us. We go into the world, but we need protection that the world doesn't come into us. And so here's the answer that Jesus gives that will help us as believers to walk in this world, and it comes through the power of the Word of God. Verse 14, Jesus says, I have given them your Word. We have been given God's Word. This will help us as we walk this life in this world. And here's the other thing. God's Word is truth. It's not like some of this is applicable for today and the rest is debatable and, you know, kind of, well, it depends on your view and depends on my view and we'll wrestle with that and it's all kind of relative. No, his word is absolute truth. 
And as we receive that word, we, we respond to that word, and that will help us as we navigate life. Verse 17, make them holy by your word, teach them your word, which is truth. Jesus affirming that the scriptures are truth. And so with verse 17 in mind, God's word makes us holy. That word holy means to be set apart. So if I say set apart, let's just say here's the world and all the junk and all the things in the playground that Satan goes around picking on people. This is his playground and God's word sets you apart from the world. It makes you holy. You are set apart by the truth of the scriptures. Jesus also says in verse 19, I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. Before we can even be made holy by the Scriptures as the Scriptures guide us and lead us in life, you need verse 19 to be a reality in your life. That Jesus and His sacrifice has been made true for you. The only way the Word will make sense to you is if you have the Holy Spirit in your life. And the only way you'll have the Holy Spirit is if you come to faith and repentance in Jesus Christ. And He comes into your life. He changes your heart. And now you come to the Word of God, not with this heart of stone that goes, I don't understand this. This is confusing. Now you come to the Word of God with a heart that says, I want to live according to the Word. God makes us holy through Christ, through the Scriptures. We're set apart. This little sentence came to me this week in preparation. It'll be on the screen. In order to live set apart in these times in the world, you'll need to set apart time to live in the Word. In order to live set apart, to live holy in these times of the world, you'll need to set apart time to live in the Word. We're not to be taken out of the world. We're to go running into it, shining the light of Jesus Christ because there are people who need to know who Christ is so that they can be made holy also. I'm not made holy just so I can go, well, I'm better than them. The disgusting world over there, gross. God made me holy. He set me apart, and He's equipped me to run into the world and to tell people about Christ. Yes, there are things about this world that are very gross, but I walk into the world with the power of the gospel, and I want to make a difference. So another thing about God's Word is it gives us joy. Verse 13, when talking about his time with the disciples, he says, I've told them many things so that they would be filled with my joy. There's a joy that comes through the Word and hearing from the Lord. And so even as we walk in this life and we're beat up by the enemy and things that are going on and, and circumstances, we can still have a joy and we can have even greater joy when we spend that time with the Lord in the Scriptures. You know, right before this prayer over them in John 17, Jesus tells them some pretty heavy things. 
in John 16. He tells him, very truly I tell you, you're going to weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned into joy. And that comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power that the resurrection of Christ brings to the world. Verse 33, I've told you these things so that in me you will have peace. And in this world you will have trouble. Not, you, you might have trouble, just depends uh, you know, on, on how you're doing that day or whatever. You will have trouble. That's a guarantee. And Jesus says, but take heart because I have overcome the world. The one who is in you is far greater than the one who is in the world. The one who is in you, Christ, is far greater than Satan, the one who is in the world. This past week in Psalm 122, if you read that psalm, the psalmist loves the city of Jerusalem, and that's a place in which they would go and worship. And the psalmist has a variety of things to say about the city. And as we read that today, several interpretations of that would say that what Jerusalem was to the Jewish person, the church is for the believer today. And so in that particular passage, it talks about how Jerusalem has these walls that that can't be breached. And that there's peace within the walls. And there's peace among the believers. But here's the problem. When the world jumps in with the believer in the church, those walls become breached. And then there's this dissension. And we, we start to have conflict that can happen within the walls of the church. And faith community is an amazing church, but if you think that there's no place for us to be picked off by the enemy, if you will, or picked on by the enemy, he would love to create dissension inside this body. That's why I feel like these next couple of verses, 21 through 23, when Jesus is sharing this prayer over them, he makes an emphasis on unity. Unity is a powerful, powerful thing. And there's kind of an order here of unity. You have the, a picture of the unity that comes from the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that kind of unity. And then there's a unity with God. That's my vertical relationship with God. And then there's the horizontal, the unity I have with, with my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm just going to read these three verses. Jesus says, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. So there's the picture of the unity that comes from the Godhead, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it says, and may they be in us, may they be in us, so that the world will believe that you sent me. So it's important for us as followers of Christ 
that we are in unity with God and His desires, His will, His plans for your life, what it looks like to live in obedience, to not be at odds with Him. He says, I've given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. So now it's they may be one. Followers of Christ can be one. Personally, I believe that nothing hinders the gospel more than division in the church. And that's kind of a bold statement, but there's a reason why I say that. Nothing hinders the gospel more than division in the church. And in verse 23, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them. That's the gospel. And Jesus is saying, may they be in such perfect unity that the world could see that I've been sent to redeem. And that they know that I love them. That extra part there and that you love them tells me that whenever there's discord amongst believers, it can cause people to question God's love. And I don't want to get in the way of that. I don't want to get in the way of the gospel. Another reason why I think it's important for unity to be in the church is when Paul writes the church in Corinth, we get the letters 1 Corinthians and we get a letter 2 Corinthians. There's actually four letters that were written to this church. But the first letter, 1 Corinthians, there's all kinds of things going on in this church. One of the things is there's a man that is having an inappropriate relationship with his mother-in-law. That seems kind of messed up. There's even a point when they're having communion that people would come and basically gorge themselves on communion and they're getting drunk and they're turning this whole thing upside down. And, and then you talk about the gifts of the Spirit and there wasn't order in the church. There's all kinds of disarray and, and confusion and chaos and all of that. And you want to know what the first thing Paul addresses in his letter? It was division. Now you tell me what's the most important thing. To me, it's unity in the body of believers. God takes this very, very seriously. There's an illustration here that comes from the reading of daily bread. And it was said that when the British and the French were fighting in Canada in the 1750s, Admiral Phipps, commander of the British fleet, was told to anchor outside Quebec. And he was given orders to wait for the British land forces to arrive, then support them when they would go and attack the city. And Phipps' navy arrived early. And as the admiral waited, he became annoyed by the statues of the saints that adorned the towers of a nearby cathedral. So he commanded his men to shoot at them with the ship's cannons. No one knows how many rounds were fired or how many statues were knocked down, but when the land forces arrived and the signal was given to attack, the admiral was of no help because he had used up all of his ammunition shooting at the saints. 
So the application there is don't waste your ammunition on your brothers and sisters in Christ. The Bible tells us that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, the principalities, the authorities in Satan's playground. They're the ones stirring the pot. They're the ones keeping people at odds, and we we just can't figure it out. Quit wasting your ammunition on those that God has called you to love. And here's the truth of John 17. The more I'm in unity with God vertically, the more grace that will be extended for me to have unity with others that are in Christ. And so we're guided here by God's love. And there are several passages I want to read to us. And I want you to be thinking some things through. Are there relationships in my home? Are there relationships in in my workplace? And specifically with this passage, are there relationships with fellow believers in Christ? Are there relationships within this church that need the grace of God? I want you to listen to these verses as I read them. Romans 13.8 Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Our continuing debt to love one another. 1 Corinthians 13.5 Love does not dishonor others. Man, can our mouth get us in trouble. And we can say things, we can do things that dishonor our brother or sister in Christ. That's not love. Love is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrong. In Ephesians 4, 2-3, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And you talk about the reflection of the Gospel when we are loving each other. In John 13, 35, It says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You know, God saves us. He redeems us to then go out into the world and share the gospel with people. But I want to tell you something. When we love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ... That kind of love should shine so bright that the world actually sees that and goes, I want in. I want that. I'm tired of being beat up by the world. I want a place like that where I can go and receive this kind of love. We're guided by love And Jesus closes this passage with that very truth. He says, I've revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. It says, then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. If the Spirit of God is in your life, 
You've received the love of God to love others. We love God, we love others, and there's a powerful witness and testimony that come through that. So with all of this said here today, I just simply asked some reflection questions. Number one is, when we talk about having a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's possible that as I've been sharing today's message, you're evaluating your own life and you're going, I don't know if I have Christ. I don't know if I've received that changed heart that Russ talked about. Well, and I invite you to pray with me to receive him when I close this message in prayer. Other aspects of application would be to consider the foundation of life. You are created to give God glory. Are you doing that? Also, we live in a world full of all kinds of things that can entangle us, ensnare us, and, and cause us to be ineffective and even cause us to, to sin and live in disobedience and spiral out of control. Are there some things that you need to reset? And also, understanding that it takes the power of the Holy Spirit at work through the Word of God to walk in purity in a world that is not pure. And then the last thing is to ask, are we living at odds or are we living in unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ? Is there any area that, that you would need to, to reconcile, have a conversation takes courage to do that. Maybe you're the person that's not even in the wrong, but you still want to make it right. takes courage to step out and say, I don't want to live at odds with you. I want to live in harmony. I want to take the time right now and pray and just ask that the Holy Spirit would speak to us here as we respond today. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, this prayer from Jesus over his disciples, it's a very special moment where we see the deep desires of our King. And as we live in the kingdom of God, let us live in such a way where we are guided by your word and that, Lord, you would protect us from the evil one. That you'd help us to live holy in the truth of your word. And I pray, Father, that if there's any strain on relationships, you would bring restoration. You'd bring forgiveness. You'd bring understanding. I ask for your Spirit's help to keep this congregation in unity. Not only in unity for the gospel and the power of the word of God, but in unity together as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. For as we live in harmony, there's a bright light that shines from this place.
to the communities around us. And Father, if there's someone listening right now and they think of the truth of John 3, when Jesus says, this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, Father, the only true God and Jesus Christ, if they sit here today and they think, do I know God in such a way? And if you would desire to know him, to receive him today, I invite you to pray with me in your heart and say, Jesus, I need you. And today I ask for forgiveness of my sin that separates me from you. Cleanse me. Make me new. Redeem my life by the power of Jesus Christ. Today I receive you by grace through faith. Thank you for this gift of salvation. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.